How's that? Is that on? We good? Okay, we're excited to have our youth in worship with us this morning, and our uh, K-5s are going to come back and share communion with us. And we are continuing, for those of you who've been here all the weeks, I'm sorry that you have to get this uh, little review every week, but um, if you're anything like me, you forgot what uh, I said last week. I forget what I said. Um, so we are talking about why we do church. Look, a lot of people in this culture, we've talked about, they've decided it's not worth it, I don't want to. In fact, the last time you youth were in with us, we, were, um, we did a Kairos feud, and we, we talked about what are all the people, um, what are all the reasons adults, and what are the reasons youth say, I don't want to go, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, so we know that, but what we're talking about is what are the reasons to do it? And for some of you, it may just be like, hey, I come, to, I come here once a week just like I brush my teeth every day. It's just part, but like, if you don't have a compelling enough why, then we, we fail to figure out how. And the church is in a phase right now, like, we got to figure out how to be church together. And in order to do that, we've got to know why we're doing it. So we've talked about a couple of things. One is, the Bible tells us that when we come together like this, when we come together to church, it's like being anointed. That's one of my favorite verses, Psalm 133. It's like when Aaron, who was anointed as a priest, it talked about the oil on his head, running down over his beard, onto his robe. Like that's what it should be like when we come to church, that you just feel totally just covered in God's love and God's claim and anointed to be God's person in the world. So that's one reason, to encourage each other. Well, what are we encouraging each other to do? One is to worship. We talked about that, that we come to worship because there is nothing, there is an emptiness in our lives that only God can fill. And worship is the place where we fill it. And we are filled with that living water that we can share with the world. Okay, then last week we talked about we come because together we can share the good news. Together. And what does that mean? That this is really good news. All right, that's everything we've talked about in the past. So, today we're going to talk about another reason for church. Uh, and all of these come from, from scriptural passages. Uh, and I want, to, I want to ask you, um, young people, or a little bit older people, has anyone ever said to you, grow up? Yes, okay, what did they mean? This is not rhetorical, I want you to answer me. What do they mean? Act more mature. What's more mature? Act responsible. Don't be silly. Get over it. Make better decisions. Stop playing. Stop whining. All right. So I'm going to talk to you today about an interesting thing. When Jesus, one, one of the purposes of the church is that we exhibit the kingdom of heaven to the world. Okay? That means that together, in our life together, we demonstrate what it means. I mean, kingdom of heaven might make you think about, like, oh, that's something like in the by and by. No, in the scriptures, the kingdom of heaven, just like salvation, is something that can happen here and now when God is in charge. 
right? When God is ruling. And that's another way of saying, we know that scripture tells us God is love. When love is ruling the day, the kingdom of heaven is being demonstrated. So our call is to come together and let love rule the day, to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven to the world. And so Jesus talks about that in a ton of different ways, um, like mostly in parables. He takes examples from the marketplace and the seashore and the garden and the kitchen, and he says, here's what it's like when you do that. But today I want to talk about one particular thing, and again, all of these weeks I'm like, we could do like a year-long thing on just the kingdom of heaven. But I want to focus on one thing that Jesus said, and it, it boils down to this. Don't grow up. Don't grow up. Let me read it to you. At that time, this is Matthew 18. I'm going to read 1 through 5. I think it says in your thing it's just one verse. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest? in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus called a child. Now it's important, this word is not like a 10-year-old. Or even probably a 7 or 8-year-old. This is a little child, possibly an infant like Brighton. He called a child whom he put among them and said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Are we supposed to be immature and irresponsible? So I want you to talk about this this week with each other. Is there a difference between childish and childlike? What do you think? If we had more time, I'd, we'd talk about it right here and now. But please, talk about this with each other. The point of this sermon, the point of every sermon, is not that it ends in a period or an exclamation point. It ends in an ellipsis, and it is an invitation for all of us as a community to continue to talk about these things. So what do you think is the difference between childishness and childlikeness? Because Jesus says, unless we become like a child, like, and I want to say just the A-E-I-O-U of childlikeness. It's not exhaustive, but it's some things I've thought about this week. And <laughs> I have been thinking, you know, when you're preaching, you like see the whole world through the lens of the scripture passage. And I have been so emotional this week. Because children are so awesome. And I'm so unlike them in so many ways. Don't be silly. So A, 
children ask questions. And, and youth, you don't. You learn in school to stop asking questions. I, I mean, I've read so much research on this, I'd quote all the things, but this is what happens to our children. I mean, the number of questions, we've talked about this before, that children, young children ask, is like in the hundreds a day. You know it. Why? 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 Why is it? Why do we have to wear our raincoat? Why? Because it's raining. Why is it raining? Why? Blah, 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 blah. They go on and on and on and on and on. It's endless. They start school and they stop asking questions. Because there they're supposed to have the answers. Isn't that twisted? And my very, very good friend, Esme, She's a Harvard grad, but she's now interested in becoming a midwife. And she told me, you know, when she went to midwifery school, she couldn't have been any different than Harvard. She goes, when I showed up at Harvard, I had always had a knot in my stomach because I had to prove what I knew. But at midwifery school, we all show up like, we don't know a thing about this. Ask questions, ask questions. What if when we walk through that door, we say, no, here in this place, we're going to exhibit something different than out in the world that says, I've got to show up with my badge, my diploma, my position, my power, and all my answers. What if we said, no, we're going to show up here as people who simply ask, 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 and ask some more? Why do we say that? Why do we do that? Are we going to eat? It's a good question. Ask questions. E, children express their needs. I'm hungry. I cry. Now, if you're childish, you scream and scream and scream until your needs are... But they're honest about their needs. Guys, we're all needy people. We are all dependent upon one another. When you see Brighton and you're like, oh my gosh, what, what would happen to her if nobody cared for her needs? And friends, we're really just grown-up versions of that. We are so dependent on each other and interdependent. And when we try to act like we're not, we are not childlike. And Jesus says, be like a child, be humble. The kingdom of heaven is a group of people who admit their needs. Brene Brown says it this way. Look, shame, if you put it in a Petri dish with secrecy and judgment, it grows and grows and grows. And that's what happens to us and our needs. We, we think, I can't let somebody, I know I need this, I need that. Shame grows. But when we're vulnerable and we say, I, I need some help. Children do that. I imagine the possibilities. How many of you had an imaginary friend growing up? Anybody? Got one? Okay, got a few. My son had an imaginary basketball team. <laughs> I had to feed them all lunch. 
here's what, there's, there's a wonderful book out there called The Philosophical Baby. And there's all these studies about the mind of a baby. And remember, Jesus was likely carrying an infant or a toddler. The, if we focus, she says, Alison Gopnik is her name, um, and she, said, she talked about how children really do teach us what it means to be open to change. If we focus on our distinctive capacities for change, especially imagination, then it is children who teach us. Now, do we have to teach them? She's talking about in the context of, like, do we have to teach them to be responsible and executive skills and, you know, blah, 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 yes. But how do we, again, parse out what are the childlike characteristics that we need to hang on to if we're going to experience the reign of God together? And one of them is our imagination. To have a beginner's mind. To not come, it's similar to asking questions. You know, they did, um, maybe you've heard this years ago, there was a, uh, you know, they gave a bunch of CEOs and a bunch of lawyers and a bunch of five-year-olds a marshmallow, a string, a paperclip, and six uh, spaghetti, uh, what are they called? Spaghetti pieces. And said, build the tallest tower you can. The five-year-olds won. The five-year-olds won because they were childlike. They didn't think, oh, I can't say that unless I know it's going to work. They were like, hey, let's try this. They failed a thousand times before they finally, but at the end, they had the tallest. They weren't afraid to fail. They weren't posturing for position. They were imagining possibilities together, and oh, they were offering to help. How many children? Can I help mow the grass? Can I help stir the soup? Can I help shop for the groceries? Can I help? 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 But that gets squashed out of us. You know why? Oh, you didn't do it right. How do we hang on to that innate childlike desire to help? And finally, one, and again, this is not exhaustive, but one childlike thing is that children utter the truth in love. And if only we could be that kind of community and show the world how to do that. So many of you have young kids still. Why are you mad? Mommy. What's wrong? Daddy. That was mean. Say you're sorry. not judgment, it's not, it's just the truth in love. If only we could talk to each other like that, utter the truth. And I want to tell you, let me close with this, a story that I've been thinking a lot about this week. It really is the moment where a child uttered truth into my life that changed the trajectory. I have three-year-old and an infant not infant, whatever, how old, you know, in a high chair. <laughs> I don't know how old. Anyway, old enough to eat yogurt in the high chair. Uh, I was a full-time working mother. I was in a very dysfunctional marriage. I was just, life was kind of fraying. 
and I was rushing to get everybody off to school. And everything was all lined up and everything, and my uh, walker in his high chair knocked his yogurt over. And I fell apart. And I was crying, and I was frustrated, and I was everything. And my three-year-old, Ty, his older brother, I can still see this, came over to me, put his little hand on my shoulder when I was leaning down, cleaning up. He says, Mommy, it's okay. There's enough time. And that word of truth set me on a spiritual journey that I'm still on learning there really is enough. There's enough time, there's enough grace, there's enough love, there's enough food. So what if we could be a community where when we walk through those doors, I don't see somebody who's 30 or 60 or 40 or 50 we just all look at each other as children. And we see ourselves that way. And we receive the enough of the kingdom humbly. Amen.